It all starts with one idea. Have you ever wondered how today's top CEOs, business leaders, and people who work for the most innovative companies in the world found success? Join host George Davison as he explores the innovators that are shaping tomorrow's world today. Today we have a group president from the Caterpillar Corporation. Uh, meet Denise Johnson. Hi, Denise. Hello, George. It's great to be here. Wow. It's uh, fun to have you here today. We have a lot of questions uh, in store for our audience today. And uh, maybe we can start with a little bit of the, the history of the Caterpillar Corporation. And uh, can you tell us how it was uh, founded? Absolutely. It, it really is an interesting story. Caterpillar's been around for a long time. In fact, uh, almost 100 years. Mm. So back, think about back 100 years ago uh, when there was a lot of work that needed to be done. It leveraged largely uh, horses or cows pulling different pieces of equipment um, to be able to either move move materials or to, uh, to really allow farming to be done. All of that was done very manually. Mm. So at that time, uh, there were two pioneers, two entrepreneurs that thought there has to be a way to make this more reliable, to make you know, the whole process uh, be able to be leveraged in a way that, that took a lot of time and energy and, and didn't involve uh, live, live, uh, uh, livestock. And so they started experimenting with steam engines and mm. attaching steam engines to tractors and trailers and pulling those uh, those trailers with a steam engine. And so uh, two entrepreneurs, uh, C.L. Best and Benjamin Holt, uh, were uh, in this space, and they were working uh, largely on the same kind of equipment. Mm. And the two of them uh, decided, hey, I think we could work together as a team, and with our abilities together, we could do even more. And so they uh, worked together and formed a, a company and they called it Caterpillar. And, and there's an interesting story behind the name Caterpillar. Oh, please share it. Okay. Well, um, as they moved and, and, and started to develop the product, uh, they actually uh, were demonstrating it to a, a set of uh, photographers and, and showing them how effective this, uh, this tractor was in moving equipment and, and goods across the field. And one of the, uh, the photographers looked at it and said, you know, that tractor moves like a caterpillar, <laughs> and the name stuck. And wow. so they became Caterpillar after that. That is so interesting. So we have two entrepreneurs looking at a frontier that they were trying to improve, and uh, that was the launch. They combined their energies, and now a new name is formed by outsiders using their observational skills when – saying, wow, it looks like a, it moves like a caterpillar. And wow, isn't that interesting? Because observational skills are so critically important in the field of innovation, isn't it? They really are. They're what sparks, I think, um, not only the ideas, but they also actually help people to be able to uh, quantify the problem such that they know what they have to solve and what they need to change to make it better. And that mm-hmm. makes all the difference. Well, that's interesting. Your background is in engineering, isn't it? It is. Did you, uh, would you say that part of engineering is doing a lot of, uh, let's say, analysis of problems that exist and then 
looking at them instead of as a problem, as an opportunity? I think the basis of engineering is curiosity. Mm. It's trying, it's really understanding how and why things happen. And it's a skill that can be learned. I know that I didn't, uh, as a young child, um, know that I wanted to be an engineer. I actually discovered that over time. Yes. And uh, can you share a little of that discovery? How did you find that math and science, engineering, that kind of thing existed in you? How Did somebody inspire you? Well, in fact, um, I, I was good in math and science, and I had a number of teachers and and even uh, people that I knew that were friends that said, you know, maybe you should become an engineer. And uh, at the time, I had no idea in my mind what an engineer was. I'd never mm-hmm. seen an engineer at work. I never uh, knew an engineer or what they did. And it was hard for me to picture it. You know, when you think about a teacher or uh, a doctor or a nurse or a fireman, you you know what they do. Yes. Um, engineering is a little more elusive. There is not as it's not as direct to, mm-hmm. to understand what they do. So, after that suggestion, I set out and and uh, really job shadowed or went to work with an engineer. Actually, sat by them at their desk and tried to understand what do they do. Mm-hmm. And what I found is engineers do a lot more hands-on problem solving. Uh, than I ever imagined. And the more that I watched, the more that I saw what that the engineering field was about, the more that I was intrigued by it and got involved. Well, what a wonderful way to get started. And uh, maybe that's a good segue into um, how you did get your career started. You, you had an interest in math. Uh, eventually, you you went off into some direction, off to a, an additional school, and then you got a job somewhere. Can you walk us through so that our audience can, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I was always curious about how I fit into the world and how was I going to make a contribution and people were asking me, what are you going to do in the future? And um, maybe you had some of those same experiences. We have some in our young audience, they're probably wondering, what school am I going to or what what kind of job or what will I do? And uh, if you had some experiences like that, would you kindly share them with us? Absolutely. I, you know, I think as there's so many things that there's so many ways that you can move in and 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 actually explore uh, what you're interested in in the world. The thing about choosing a career is it's it's not always uh, a direct uh it's not always a direct correlation. So as you think about being uh, an engineer, and as I thought about being an engineer, um, it took a lot of experimentation for me to find that that's really what I wanted to do. Mm. Talking to people, um, understanding what the roles were, and then getting in and and trying it myself before I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm. And I think that's the hardest part as you're young and going through school uh, you know, it, the, there are there are a lot of obvious careers to go into, but you need to talk to people. You need to really understand what's out there before you make decisions. And so I, I urge students going into college, don't make a career decision too early. Let yourself get into the get into university, get into school or get into even a you know community college or mm-hmm. uh, get into a, a field, even a job. And explore it that way, more experientially, and then let that guide you to what what actually you will be in the long run. You don't have to pick it when mm-hmm. you're when you're still in high school or even middle school. So if you're exploring around, you might you might just find something you like, right? 
Absolutely. And the path that you think you're going to go on is never the path that ends up being the one you take. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that happens in your life, and you have to be flexible. Yes. Well, that's a wonderful uh, way to talk about it. I um, Okay, so would you um, walk us? You, you aren't always the president of Caterpillar Corporation, uh, and it's wonderful. I think you're going to inspire a lot of people out there with your story. Um, your your work career has. Can you walk us through a little bit of that? Tell us a little, like what life has been like um, as you've marched forward on this journey. Absolutely. So I was a summer intern when I was attending college at, at General Motors. So I worked at, for an automotive manufacturer. Uh, in my career. And as I, uh, as I initially graduated from college, I was a, a test engineer. So I used to test uh, the steering systems. So mm-hmm. we, you know, that steer your car. Uh, I used to have to go into the lab and then actually on the vehicle. And we would do the testing to make sure that those components, those parts were going to be robust mm. and last for a long time. Oh, okay. So that was the first job I had, and, and it was a really interesting job because you learn how things fail, how things break. Mm-hmm. Um, if I walk you back just for a moment to make sure, I think, could you explain what an internship is for our audience? Because I think that may be a little stretch. That's a great question. So an internship is a summer job generally. Um, so you you work at a company and 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 you you know you're given some assignments as a, a studying engineer to teach you some of the concepts around what you what you would do in the long run. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was an intern. It was a it was a summer job that really focused on helping the engineers get their work done. So um, it was a, a great opportunity at that time. We were doing air conditioning systems. So you think about cooling someone in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, I was helping an engineer that was trying to design how do we make the temperature in the car be even lower Mm -hmm. so that when people get in, they can cool off very quickly. Interesting. So that was my internship. And and how did you get that internship? Well, most universities have the opportunity to interview with various companies that are looking for students that want to get some engineering experience. Mm. And so that is a great opportunity to go to a variety of companies over the years that you're going to to college and uh, explore the field that you're going to go into. So again, you know, that whole... A path that you take um, and taking experiments uh, and working that really was an, is an opportunity to validate this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right, right. All right, super. So we're now, can you t- take us a little further past the uh, Ford experience? Then? Yes, General Motors. Or General Motors, yes. Yes, yes. Um, so I, you know, went from engineering into manufacturing and then, um, you know, kind of was in a more general management role. And I think that's the other thing about the field of engineering that I loved is it can take you into many different career paths. And so, you know, after about 20 years of working at General Motors, I actually moved over to work for Caterpillar. Mm -hmm. And when I initially moved into Caterpillar, it was on engineering and designing components again. So I was went back to my roots of, of of design and, and engineering, and um, then moved up from there. And have I had the opportunity to move into a variety of positions within Caterpillar, where now I'm leading uh, resource industries, which is responsible for producing mining equipment and large construction equipment for mm. uh, you know mining and, and construction customers. So it's a really neat uh, area. And we also do a lot in the area of technology. And one of the interesting technologies that we're working on right now is self-driving tractors and self-driving 
uh, mining equipment. And so that's a really exciting field to be a part of. Well, that's exciting, and uh, that, let's talk some more about that, shall we? Absolutely. Uh, innovation uh, at the Caterpillar Corporation and uh, what the world looks like in the future. Um, if I was a student and uh, and I uh, had interest in this possible area, right? what would be some of the things that I would want to know about that are coming? Well, you know, there's so much happening in the world today, and what you see around you every day is what's happening in, in, in the fields uh, like construction and mining. So, you know, the whole idea of digital, a digital thread that helps to, uh, that helps to make uh, the operation of a piece of equipment go smoother and easier. So mm-hmm. things like if, if I'm a brand new uh, technician and I'm getting into an operator, I'm getting into a piece of equipment, There's capability now within our machines so that you don't have to have six months of training to be able to dig a deep hole that that the machine itself has some assists that help you to do that task very easily. And so someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with with that task can go in and with a very short uh, introduction, can, can actually do the task very easily. So it's a, it's a mechanism to, to really enable um, faster, easier uh, operation of equipment. That's wonderful. So simplification is important from a technolo- technology perspective, right? So if we can make it more simple, you, uh, you can attract all sorts of different people to work with in the future. Uh, less training is required. Uh, of course, we always make investments in our people, but it's also important to keep them safe and uh, keep them moving, right? Absolutely. And safety and productivity are two of the biggest things that, that we try to try to really enable within our, our equipment. And it's an exciting place to be. So some of the people here were out at your headquarters and uh, they were able to get on some of these trucks. Some of them are five stories high. That's taller than a lot of buildings in our city. It is. These trucks are amazing, and they can carry, you know, up to 400 tons of material. So, you know, a lot of dirt yes. is being moved, and uh, they're they're amazing uh, pieces of equipment. And is there always a human being in them? Well, that's the really interesting part. Uh, you know, as I talked about the technology of of helping an operator, that's uh, one of the, you know, one of the easier ways that we have leveraged technology. But we actually have self-driving large mining trucks that, you know, we have over a hundred in one mine site alone where they're driving autonomously and they're, and Mm. they're doing it in a way that allows them to work more efficiently than if they were, uh, they had manned, uh, man people in them uh, per se, because you're moving them as a system, almost like a factory. Mm -hmm. And that makes it really uh, compelling to be able to, to uh, operate much more efficiently and think about the safety impact. Yes. There's no one that's going to be injured when you don't have someone in a truck. I see. So you have a lot of these trucks running around, no human beings to be hurt uh, that can't be seen from five stories up. Is that a fair way to say it? That's a fair way to say it. And everywhere around the world, what's really great is this is a global, uh, a global deployment. So we have, you know, we have them in every, uh, almost every continent of the world. Isn't it interesting? We've gone from pulling devices to plow fields with a, with a steam engine back in the old days to you know new machines with all sorts of you have battery technology moving into your equipment you have ai 
you have roboticism. Everything is moving in this direction. And it's over how many years is this? Is, this isn't that long of a period of time, is it? Well, not in the big scheme of things. I mean, if you think about autonomy, we, we started investing in that in the uh, 1985 uh, timeframe. So, you know, you think about it, it's 35, 40 years ago mm-hmm. that we started to invest in the technology. And now... 40 years later, it's really here and it's happening. Um, but we've had a lot of a lot of experimentation. You know, technology is something that uh, you have to continue to invest in and you learn and, and the ability of, of integrating it and pulling it all together mm-hmm. uh, changes. And so I think, you know, it's it's an evolving um, it's an evolving thing, but it, it, it takes time for it to, to really uh, manifest itself into, uh, you know, something that's actually commercializable. Yes, I, I see that. Um, and for our students out there, would you say that uh, a part of making that future innovative world happen, uh, we need a lot of STEM, uh, young people who are in the world of STEM. Would you say that's important for uh, for their careers? Absolutely. At, at Caterpillar, we have over 10,000 engineers. Wow. Uh, so, and we have uh, almost 1,000 PhDs. <laughs> So when you think about, uh, and they're all from all sorts of disciplines. So it's not all in software or robotics. There's, you know, we need we need uh, people who who really are interested in wanting to um, to help us. And it can be everything from technicians who are actually working on our equipment, mm-hmm. all the way to you know software engineers. So we we need a wide uh, range of backgrounds, and not everyone has to be an engineer to be involved with the product development cycle. Okay, well, um, there I guess we're getting back to that. Explore the world in front of you and find what you like. Mm-hmm. And there are all sorts of different jobs out there at these organizations. Absolutely. So, um, so do you believe anybody can be successful in this world today? I absolutely believe that anyone can be successful. And I think part of it is what defines success, mm. right? I think for me, um, it isn't about position. It isn't about income. It's not about uh, it's not about status or power. It's about making a difference, and success in in that way um, can have a very broad definition. But it is about uh, making the world a better place. Yes. From wherever you are and whatever you do. And you know what? There's a long history of that at Caterpillar, isn't? You know, looking at the whole company started at trying to make farming better yes. and improve human existence on this planet. And here we are today still trying to make the work less work um, and to make life better for everybody. So it's it's it nice is. to nice to think that way and to work that way. It is. And, you know, our, our, our company is an infrastructure company, which means we help build the foundation for what makes communities grow. So mm-hmm. whether it's the ability to be able to gain access to water or whether it's building bridges and roads or whether it's helping with uh, energy and power, you know, all of that is needed to help mm. the world be able to foundationally grow. And so it's so exciting to be a part of a company that, that has that as its mission. Well, um, let's, if we could, let's, let's keep moving along and, and uh, let's take a look at um, how difficult it is today to be able to find the skills needed uh, for the workforce that you're looking for for the future? Are you are you finding that uh, you're getting a lot of candidates with the skills that you're looking for? 
Well, you know, there's always an opportunity uh, to, to get more. I would say, you know, certainly um, we target uh, we target a broad range of backgrounds, and we're really looking for diversity of uh, candidates. So whether it's a, a background in, in math and science or whether it's someone who's really good at communications or whether it's someone that really is excited about um uh, you know, um, marketing or, or finance or, you know, even human relations. And we're looking for the mm-hmm. best and the brightest in each one of the, the categories. And I think that's what's great about a big company like Caterpillar. It's You don't have to only be uh, interested in one thing. You can have a lot of different kinds of backgrounds, and, and we need we need good people. We need people who really are passionate, who, who want to improve, and they really want to be a part of a company um, like Caterpillar, that's an innovator yes. for the future. And, you know, we're a global business, so we have people all around the world, and that's exciting too. Well, that's interesting because I, I think we could maybe put it in two different baskets. We we have a world of hard skills and a world of soft skills, and you just touched on both. So we have, let's say, hands-on manufacturing and engineering, and that that's one basket. And the other, it's the soft social skills, the – um, you know, the, being able to work with your teammates and showing up to work on time and wanting to make a contribution. Would you say if we could look at those two baskets, is that fair to say that's that's the way you're looking at it at Caterpillar? Absolutely. And we're looking for people who have the ability to be able to do a little bit of both as well, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're an engineer, that's great. You have a very strong technical skill. But if you can't work in a team, because a lot of the work that we do is in a team function, yes. you, you need both soft skills and hard skills. So I do think, um, you know, you bring up a good point. And I, I, I think what's really great about the ability to be able to join a company like Caterpillar is you can move from a position like an engineer and and work in, a, in an office environment. And if you're really interested in manufacturing, you can move that skill and become a manufacturing engineer mm. and move into a factory environment. So there's a lot of different positions yes. that you can move into. So if you decide, I want to try something new, the company, you know, supports that. And it's a really, that really, I think, enables people to, uh, you know, change as they grow and, and really change their, their interests as well. That's wonderful. You're living proof of it. You've moved through that organization right on up the ladder, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. I've been very lucky to be able to do that and worked very hard as well. Yes, and that, I think that's a big piece of it. If you uh, have the soft skills and the hard skills and you're willing to put the effort uh, in, the future is yours. Right? Yeah, there's no ex- – there's no uh, – there's no – there's no better way, I think, to succeed than to um, apply yourself and to work hard but and to never give up. And it's easy mm-hmm. when, when things happen that maybe don't go your way and you don't get the, the position that you wanted or, or you have a project that, that doesn't do well. But you have to learn from those failures. Yes. Everyone fails. And if you can learn from those failures and you can grow from those failures, mm-hmm. you are going to be a much, much uh, brighter better person for it and and if you don't give up you you will succeed in the long run that's so true yeah thomas edison he went after what he had a a thousand failed experiments before he figured out how to give us a light bulb and uh so we we refer to that here at invention land as learn how to fail your way forward that's right and not take it personally i think so many people uh think that that it's a reflection on them you have Mm -hmm. to you have to take your personality out of it. it's not about you if something you've done necessarily doesn't go right, it doesn't mean that you're a 
that that you failed. It's it means that what that project was wasn't successful. You have to figure out why. What happened? What could you do differently? And then try again. Yes. And uh, if you don't give up, you'll succeed eventually. I I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I think that's a great life too. It makes it interesting. It so. does. All right, so let's say we could get into uh, the minds of our education leaders today. If we could get a message or just whisper a little message into their ear as to, uh, you know, what they could do to help our students prepare themselves for the world of, uh, the, you know, for the world of business uh, and or government work, however you want to say that. But um, do you have any ideas you'd be willing to share to say, boy, the We'd love to see this in our students in the future. Well, I do think it, it's the ability to problem solve, but do it in a way that allows them to leverage others to problem solve. I think no one person on their own um, has all the answers. And so if teachers can continue to uh, focus on ex- experiential uh, mm-hmm. projects where a multitude of cross-functional individuals are working together to solve a problem. Yes. Um, and then teaching those those students how to work together as a team to be able to bring forward uh, their ideas uh, to me becomes really important because as I watch and look at the teams that I've led over the years, the ones that have been the most successful are ones uh, that have worked across. And and while there are brilliant individuals, um, it always is better as a team Yes. when they bring things forward. And uh, there are things that people don't think of that others do. So I, I think that would be my main takeaway. A lot more experiential projects, less book work from the perspective of pure. I mean, book work is important, don't get me wrong, but I do think the more we can focus on getting teams to work together, the better off we'll be. Right. I, we agree with that. That's uh, one of the one of the big things behind Invention Land and the uh, education side of what we do. It's wonderful to hear you uh, saying that. It, it does uh, reinforce some of the things we're, we are bringing to the world in that, in that school environment. Um, do you have any closing thoughts or comments you'd like to share with the audience today? Well, you know, as I think back, and certainly I've, I've been working for over 30 years, um, I, th- I think one of the things that I, I resonate that resonates with me is um, sometimes you have to step back in order to move forward. It's that whole idea of growing as you learn uh, and making mistakes or, or, or sometimes even changing course is not a bad thing. Um, the, the most important thing you can do is to learn from anything that, you, that, that you're doing and, and mm-hmm. let that carry you forward. So that would be my main, my main message today. And, and I guess the final thing is never give up. Those are great messages, and I can't thank you enough for sharing that with our audience today. Um, Well, um, thank you. Thank you. And uh, to our audience, thank you for tuning in. For more information about the innovations and ideas changing tomorrow's world, tune into Tomorrow's World Today, now streaming on Science and Discovery, or visit TomorrowsWorldToday.com.